0: I'm Collier Landry.
1: And I'm Brenda Fisher.
0: And this is Moving Past Murder, Episode 4. And, uh, wow, what a week in American history. Yes. Mass shootings, mass murders. I don't know if this is the COVID hangover or what this is, but I genuinely think that, you know, uh, people are crazy. People do crazy things.
1: I think they are looking for someone to blame for what's going on, and it's... You just can't you can't and people have to let it go so that we can move on and recover and heal from, you know, what our country is going through.
0: Yeah, and the rest of the world for sure. Um, Yes. On a personal note, uh, there was a missing persons case in Ohio that was then ruled a potential kidnapping after this poor woman disappeared and tragically on the evening of march 14th police uh found the body of melinda davis in the trunk of her car outside columbus ohio in a city called galloway wow the case resonates with me because it is in richland county and you know it is a it is a woman and and it, it you know it's it's very tragic um
1: and this is a domestic violence case isn't it
0: yes it does stem from that i believe And uh, this is something that we're going to cover more uh, as things unfold. They did arrest her ex-boyfriend. John Henry Mack was arrested for kidnapping, on charges of kidnapping. And uh, he is still apparently in custody and now being charged, I believe, with murder. So uh, let's get to it And it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. All right, so Brenda, um, as I mentioned in the intro, a lot of, lot of things happening. We had the tragic shootings in Atlanta last week, the shootings in Colorado. And as I mentioned, they very personal case to me uh, in Richland County. Unfortunately, the body of Melinda Davis was found on March the 14th outside Columbus, Ohio. She was uh, found in the trunk of her car. She had gone missing 2 weeks prior to that, and there was a massive manhunt for her. And then her ex-boyfriend that she was going to see was charged with her kidnapping, and now he is being held for her murder. And it's hard, you know, because some of the details that I've heard regarding this case are she had said to a friend You know, she was going over to see this guy, John Henry Mack, and I believe that he had had a history of domestic violence or uh, somewhat of a lengthy criminal record, as I'm told by my sources. She said, if I don't come back, call the police or I go missing. And I can't help but feel the... I, I don't know how to explain it. My the mother similarity? before she.
1: And <laughs> yeah, didn't your mother make those same comments?
0: It's yeah, it struck a very familiar chord with me in the fact that my mother had told me about a month before she was murdered. You know, something happens to me. You know, your father had me killed. He has mafia connections. He has this, that and the other. But your father had me killed or he killed me himself. That's a lot to lay on to an 11 year old boy um, yes. who loves his mother dearly. But I can't help thinking that some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy? I I, I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, the whole thing is crazy. And, you know, if she was that afraid of him and went with him, you know, somewhere, um, you know, that just is mind-blowing. Especially the fact that, didn't you tell me that she has four kids?
0: Uh, I believe that she has four children, yes, that have been left without a mother in their lives. And I can definitely empathize with those children. It's, oh my gosh, it's yes. a tough road. I believe that there are some members of the family that have stepped up to look after these these children, which is wonderful. Um, I cannot say the same is what happened in my life. Right. As I went immediately into the foster care system, but I'm glad that there are family members there that can be there for these kids as they as they come to grips with the fact that they're not going to see their mother again.
1: You know, it just baffles me that people are so violent and don't think about who else they're hurting besides, you know, whoever it is that they're targeting because it has so many effects on other people and other family members and you've got kids involved. And to me, it's like, how can someone be so selfish that, you know, their anger is more important than the lives of all of these people? I just don't get it.
0: You know, one of the impetuses, as you know, for making a murder in Mansfield was to really examine the consequences of violence, the ramifications and repercussions on, you know, secondary victims, focusing on non-combat PTSD, the ancillary victims, really, that are left to deal with the aftermath of these violent crimes. And obviously it's a very personal thing for me, but again, yes, it it is a very, the thing that is hardest for us to reconcile as human beings and our sense of empathy that we have towards other people in these situations is how do we reconcile. Such a selfless act because at the end of the day, this person or people, you know, male, female, whatever. Um when they act out on in these violent ways on another human being or human beings, it is a selfish act. However, when you when you really boil down to it, it's a completely self-destructive act and it's it's kind of the antithesis yes. of being selfish in a way because now you've put yourself in a position Where the, you have to live with the fact that you have not only taken other people's lives unnecessarily, but you have also to deal with the fact that you have completely altered the course of your own life. So yes, in the immediate gratification of committing this violent act, I think after a couple of seconds, (laughs) one should realize the impact uh, that they have just made to their own lives and the fact that you're not going to get away with it you are going to get caught and if you don't get caught you are most likely going to be living the rest of your life looking over your shoulder i just think that their rage overcomes them and it's it's extremely tragic that they allow themselves to do this and you know you almost you almost wanted to you know, go, okay, was this person, you know, were they intoxicated by some substance that made them do this, but really no, just people are crazy. And that's one of the things that I had to reconcile with the murder in Mansfield is when I looked at my father, I just realized that just some people are born evil. You can't justify. They weren't, you can't go, okay, well, yeah, they were probably molested as a child or they were beaten. They weren't raised the right way. They were this, that, and the other. And and, you know, and we discussed this in a prior episode, but and we will continue to discuss this. Uh, I I feel that some people are just inherently born evil. Some, I don't know who who famously said the quote. I mean, it comes from a Batman movie. Uh, Michael Caine says it to Christian Bale's character. Some men just want to watch the world burn, but it's actually a real quote. I want to say from Nietzsche, maybe, but I'm not 100% on that. But yes, Mm -hmm. some people just want to watch the world burn.
1: It's crazy to me. It's like, life is hard enough. It's like, why do we need to make things worse out there?
0: Yeah. And why do we not just take pause and reflect and go, okay, I'm ready to impact someone else's life, the supporting cast around those people, but then also their own life. I mean, now this gentleman is going to either a face the death penalty, potentially, uh, I was speaking to David Messmore the other day about this and he said, you know, I think it's going to be a death penalty case. And, uh, From the things that I've read, and and I want to speak to some of these people who are actively involved in this investigation, but some of the things I've read online is that this gentleman, I believe while he was in custody, bragged that they would never find the body. Now, let's just backtrack this and let's, again, as this is called moving past murder and relates to my life story. Here's a gentleman who he is accused of this crime. He is a suspect and I don't know if he's been indicted already. I would assume he has. He's been indicted, but he will go through the due process of law that we have in the United States and be tried and uh, potentially convicted. However, he put her body in her own car. Not really hard to figure out.
1: Yeah. Like, not
0: really. And again, I take this to my father. Okay. Not going to find my mother. Let me just bury her in the house that I bought for my mistress. Let me just put her there that I'm going to move into with my kids. Cause nobody will think of that. That won't tie me to the, to <laughs> somebody put the body there. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, it was the one, our man. I don't know what these people think. I, I, I just, I, clearly, they don't think these actions through then, let alone to be able to brag about it to another inmate or to whoever this gentleman supposedly spoke to. Oh, they'll never find her body. Well, yeah, they found her car. And it had an odor. I believe the, you know, the woman who reported the car had seen the windows fog up over the past, you know, over the few days before reporting it. And apparently this car was found, you know, in a parking lot of an apartment complex that a lot of people that worked with this gentleman, John Henry Mack, would park their cars in to not get tickets when they worked at the same I believe he worked for a trucking company or something. Hmm. So a lot of these employees would park in the same parking lot. So, I mean, not exactly the brightest of moves, in my opinion. And I know a lot of other podcasts tend to cover not only the motives behind a murder, but ways that bodies are dealt with. We won't get into those sort of gory details, but just doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do to put someone else in their own car um, and then brag about it.
1: Yeah, that's not hard to figure out.
0: It's also, I think... And as we have discussed with my father, you know, one of the symptoms or indicators of a sociopathy is narcissism. It goes hand in hand. And how could you be so narcissistic to think that you are going to outsmart the police and be so egregious to just put a body in a trunk? It's it, again, my father, and I believe Dave Mesmore says this in the documentary. He's like, oh, the police aren't going to figure this out. You know, they're, they're dumb. They're not going to be able to figure out that, you know, oh, this body's in the house that I purchased <laughs> and then had my mistress forge my wife's name <laughs> on a document right. to purchase the house. There's a lot that goes into this that I, I think is really hard for us to understand. And going back to the fact that she was even going over to see him. I mean, I, you know, you can't live in fear of and thinking everyone's out to get you, but it doesn't it's like why you know why not go with the police if you're because i uh, apparently she was going her her brother tragically had passed away i believe a few years prior and she this gentleman had some of his personal effects from the brother and wanted to quote return them to her so why can't she go with a friend or the police that's what the police are there for The police are there to aid you in situations like this. I mean, you can move out of an apartment. If you have issues with your roommate, you call the police and you basically say, hey, look, I need a peaceful, you know, they just basically come and keep the peace for you and make sure that nothing crazy happens. Right. And, uh, you know, you can do the same thing when you're going to get your personal effects. Right. It was O.J. Simpson. I, I don't remember when this happened. I want to say it was like late t- 2000s when he went oh, hotel with like a couple of thugs that had guns. Right. And went to go get his, you know, his football memorabilia that was, quote unquote, stolen from him by some collector. And it turned violent. And now he's obviously incarcerated, I believe, for the rest of his life. Or Maybe he got out. I don't know. Did he get released?
1: I thought he did.
0: Maybe he got released. Maybe he's back living the the high life as the juice. But, you know, again, went to go. But Oh, I'll go bring some guns and some dudes instead of just calling the cops and saying, hey, look, I'm recovering my stuff. Please help me. Now, maybe in his case, the law enforcement officials in Clark County, Nevada, were not exactly eager to assist a man that most people would consider having gotten away with murder. But, you know, I don't know. But again, the sociopathy, the narcissism that goes hand in hand with these crimes is absolutely staggering. And speaking of a study in such narcissism, as you know, I have recently received all of my father's letters. Yes. And we will be reading them. I think there is something like four or 500 of them. And I even have probably maybe 40 or 50 that are unopened. So we'll be able to read these on the podcast. And that's going to be really exciting because I'll be able to, as I say in the trailer for the podcast, to let you behind the scenes into the mind of a sociopath because they are in different handwritings, typed, typed on a computer, typed on a typewriter, hand details, things of that nature, uh, you know, that I've saved over the years. And I, you know, I just saved them for posterity's sake, but I'm glad I did. And we use them in the film murder in Mansfield. It'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see the similarities and the parallels that we can draw between current perpetrators of these types of crimes of these murders and my father
1: dive into the uh, psyche of a of a killer
0: yeah absolutely you know I want to take this moment to say if any of our listeners are in a fearful situation with a spouse or a, a partner and they don't feel safe look there is no shame. In calling law enforcement and saying, hey, I need help. Calling help, notifying your friends, letting people know. I mean, I believe what is your jacket that you wear with these crime junkie patches?
1: It's be weird, be rude, stay alive.
0: Yeah, be weird, be rude, stay alive. Notify people. Keep people who are in your life in contact of what's happening if you feel threatened by... And this goes for both women and men, you know. I had a, a recent situation that happened. A friend of mine confessed that she got into an altercation with a mutual friend of ours, a very good friend of ours. And they got into a very heated argument over something, of course, something very stupid and petty. And then she removed herself from the room that they were in and went into the kitchen and then he followed her. And she said, please stop following me. You're now getting aggressive. He And the dog was freaking out, obviously, because animals are very sensitive to, to the nature of what goes on and, and with humans, uh, that's why their man's best friend. Right. And yes. you know, the dog started freaking out and barking. He said, look, I'm going to kick your dog if he doesn't stop barking at me. And she's like, what? And then she pushed him because he was coming into her space. She said, please give me space. He didn't and continued to argue with her and she pushed him because he had threatened to kick her dog and then he smacked her across the face. And, um, that is not acceptable violence of any kind, especially a man being violent towards a woman, because look, I I am all for it. I watch MMA and I see the lioness, Amanda Nunez, just literally chew up people. And I'm pretty sure she'd chew up any man on the planet. But we would tend to agree that a, you know, six foot, 180 pound male striking a five foot six, you know, 110 pound female is not a fair fight.
1: No, definitely not
0: to say the least. And, uh, it's something that's not acceptable at all. So if you are listening to this and you were in a violent spousal situation, partner, or whatever that is, get people involved, let them know there's no shame in this. Nobody looks down on you for being in these situations. People get victimized all the time. They get, they get manipulated. We get into these relationships and look, I am somebody who has an extremely manipulative and sociopathic father. And that has tended to translate into my personal and intimate relationships in my life. Uh, so I understand, I can relate to that. And you, you get involved and you get entangled into these webs of these people's lives. But again, you know, there's no shame in saying, hey, I need some help here. Uh, I need to get out of this situation and not be around it.
1: Speaking of, um, your stalker's back.
0: Oh yes, my stalker has returned once again to email my adopted parents and say that she was inappropriately contacted by my father and could have only received the information from me as if I go and give information of people, (laughs) let alone stalkers to my father. No, uh, as we all know, that is yet another manipulative story of her... I don't even know. They're like, Hey, have call your contact me. I've been in, in hospice care or something ridiculous. You know, this this woman has claimed that she's uh terminally ill and things like that, which I don't know if it's true or not.
1: Well she's lied a lot and she lied about your father contacting her. It was actually the other way around. The other
0: way around because she sent me the email <laughs> that she had sent him in his response.
1: Yeah. And then to call your adoptive parents and tell this story just so that she can try to get you to contact her because that's obviously her end game.
0: Yeah, it's um it's a little odd. So yeah I, so we all deal with these these types of crazies for sure. who knows but uh, getting back on the subject of others, we are uh, deeply saddened here on this program for a lot of the lives that have been lost in the last uh, week or so in the United States. And um, my heart reaches out to the family of Melinda Davis and her children and those that are mourning her. I believe the funeral is this Friday in Richland County, I believe Shelby. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but if you are listening and uh, you are in mourning, we are with you in solidarity on that. Absolutely. Here on this podcast.
1: So Colorado, what happened in Colorado? I didn't hear that one yet.
0: Apparently in Colorado there was a grocery store that was shot up and the suspect is being charged with murder. They, they apprehended him right away and a police officer was killed oh, as well. wow. Speaking of sort of the consequences of violence and the, the ramifications again, my, um, my sister, my half-sister who was born 14 days before my father was arrested, uh, she got married this last weekend apparently. Wow. Now my invitation got lost in the mail, unfortunately, but she did get married and that's a wonderful thing. And I hope she's very happy. I have not seen her in several years. She was actually going to be a part of the documentary and, um, decided not to was influenced by others to not be a part of it. So that's kind of what happened there. But, uh, I wish her well, Chrissy, and, uh, maybe her and I will be reunited at some point in our lives. I did speak to her last year when her father got COVID in prison. Uh, we did Um, Exchange text messages, but that's been about it. But, uh, But yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, the family dynamic, you know, on a normal basis. But when you're dealing with murder and the fallout from it and blame and everything else that goes with it, I'm sure that makes it really difficult to try to connect with family members again.
0: Yeah, especially in something as twisted and as entangled. As my situation, you know, you had me as an only child, then getting a, an adopted sister from Taiwan in the summer of 1989. Then at the same time, my father having impregnated his mistress. And then my mother finding out my parents getting a divorce. And then this wonderful child who had, you know, my sister is a wonderful human and her being born and then never, you know, ever really knowing her father. And only hearing stories and rumors, uh, that's a tough way to grow up. Right. I don't envy that at all. And, and, but again, this is one of these situations where this is the consequences of violence. This is the impact that these, that these things have on other people, the ancillary victims and my own personal story of having my family, my real family, both sides, not really coming forward and being there i mean they came forward to a certain extent at least i'm told (laughs) by them now uh but they were roadblocks were thrown in the way i I don't know if that's necessarily as true as they like to make it i don't know what kind of gravitas that statement holds uh because they you the the fact of the matter is you know come hell or high water i'm gonna get I'm going to take care of my my nephew or niece. I I don't care, especially when I had two godparents (laughs) and both of them sort of really, sadly, unfortunately fell short in my opinion and I think in the opinion of a lot of other people. Uh, So it's been tough for me growing up because I don't really know a lot about my family and trying to interact and, and have relationships forged out of this tragedy has been arduous to say the least. And nobody's getting any younger. And I don't really know a lot. I have a cousin who has reached out to me, who knew my mother growing up and, uh, he call, he actually listened to this podcast and called me the other day and we are in a dialogue, which is really wonderful because I didn't even know, you know, he existed. He had contacted me a couple of years ago when he had seen a murder in Mansfield. And then we sort of lost touch a little bit due to COVID and whatnot, uh, you know, And he had had some personal issues that went on in his life. But uh, Joe reached out last week and said, hey, I really love the podcast. I love what you're doing. I'm here for you. And they're kind of doing a a sort of family tree and family history. And he wants to make sure that I'm incorporated into that, which is awesome because I'm going to get to learn and discover more about my mother and her side of the family that I never really knew. And so there are these wonderful little things that trickle down when you are able to make a documentary like this or really explore these types of things in your life and they're just these wonderful things that sort of manifest out of that and that is one of them so I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's all the news is fit to print. We will be following this case with Melinda Davis over the course of our episodes for the foreseeable future and uh, we'll be tracking all these wonderful things and discussing more. We will have some guests on this program and We are looking for people who want to reach out. You can reach out to us at movingpastmurder at gmail.com. Our website is movingpastmurder.com, mpmpodcast.com. And uh, I think that does it. So I'm Collier Landry.
1: And I'm Brenda Fisher.
0: And this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio, in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit MPMPodcast.com to show your support today.